My name is Dan Walker and you're listening to the Walker Talks Coaching Podcast. I'm a student studying sports science, coaching and physical education at Loughborough University. And on the podcast, we talk to leading practitioners, coaches and educators in their field on topics from managing egos to team culture. Welcome back to the Walker Talks Coaching Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be welcomed by a senior academy analyst and assistant PDP coach at Portsmouth. He was a coach and performance analysis at England Futsal Under-19s, and he's also an FA tutor on the Level 1 and Level 2 Futsal. It's James Barlow. James, welcome to the podcast. How are you, right, Dan? I'm good, thank you. So, I thought to give um, the listeners a bit of an insight into into your journey and where you've got up to now. Can you just give a overview of your journey within coaching? Yeah, sure. So, um, coaching started for me probably when I was about 16, 17, when I first got my job, uh, first job. Uh, my first job was at a goal soccer centre, which a local uh, five-a-side league that was built near me. Um, and I thought, oh, what a brilliant opportunity to get into sport and just think oh, I want to get into um, well, your first job essentially and what happened was every Saturday and Sunday there was it was kids parties and I thought yeah I'll do them absolutely I'll do my level one um, and this would be a really good opportunity to one earn some money and two have a great time on a Saturday and a Sunday with, with some local kids who were just having a good time for obviously their birthday now during that period of time obviously you've got about 20 kids in these parties sometimes and it just sort of elaborated to me that I just felt like uh, I caught the bug a little bit with coaching. Um, from there, I started to think, oh, I really want to develop into uh, what I do, what my ethos is, what my coaching is, and um, managed to go to university at Loughborough. Uh, during that period of time, I did my level two, I did my B license, coaching at university program, coaching at college program, in various different roles. And I, I had, um, how can I say, a blend of experiences within that period of time. So I, I was coaching an elite girls team at university coaching in the top league. Some of the girls coach, uh, playing in WSL, um, some of the girls playing in WPL, and it was really, really good in terms of exposure for me. Um, I managed to coach in a non-league setup at Boston United, managed to coach at Burton. Um, and then towards the sort of latter stages recently, I, I was at um, Nottingham Forest uh, with their foundation phase with their youth development phase, uh, developing a futsal programme, but also being their sort of 16s coach uh, alongside some extremely good coaches. Um, so within that sort of period of time, I've had a really nice blend of experiences working in a little bit of disability. And I, I suppose the, the journey in itself, jumping from different platforms, jumping from different things was, was almost this like cocktail of fantastic experiences within coaching. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I completely agree with that and it's something that I'm doing a lot now and I definitely recommend it and I'm sure as you would to any coach and it's getting those varying experiences within all different elements within the same sport, within different sports, but coaching different levels, different ages, different abilities and disabilities. I think that's really beneficial and helps you develop as a coach as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what what I really enjoyed as part of the journey was trying to put um, theory into practice really. So understanding doing my sports coaching degree whilst coaching and doing my B license, whilst trying to understand myself as a coach, whilst trying to understand the athletes I'm working with within a different context. So both uh, 
youth athletes working within a professional game and then um, female athletes working at university, which is their, almost their second context in life because their first context is trying to become uh, that engineer, the, that physiotherapist, that sports scientist. And, and being contextual with your coaching was, was massive for me and I had some extremely good mentors within the game that sort of helped me develop that, that sort of self-awareness within my coaching. Brilliant, yeah. The contextual element is really key because you can you can come up with brilliant practice ideas and everything like that, but you can't just run the same one for every single um, level or age or whoever you're coaching. It's got to be you've got to adapt it, and obviously within those settings that you've been coaching in, you've you've obviously had to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Now I've got a question for you. Within the roles that you've just mentioned, which would you say has surprised you the most? So maybe it's the the players uh, have surprised you maybe uh, their ability or their level or um, maybe their the way they learnt or what they taught you or maybe different challenges that were presented which role kind of surprised you within that way um, I'd, I'd say more recently within when I was head of women's football at Nottingham Uni it allowed me to really almost take a step back and use all the experiences I had previously uh, and build. A culture essentially um, building some from fantastic work of uh, Tanya Oxley who was at Bristol uh, now who used to be head of the program and Becky Langley who's now at Newcastle I was, the, the girls within their context were outstanding within their education uh, they, they're going to be lawyers they're going to be doctors all of those different things and I, I felt to me that it, it was a performance setting sport within the university who were striving to be the best um, and that really challenged me in a way of trying to get to know the athletes in a way that I can challenge them because they're, they're very stimulated individuals academically and wanted to thrive within their sport. But also balancing that with the experiences at, at Nottingham Forest because their, their ethos of how they wanted their players to play, how they wanted them to act, behave, um, really shaped my understanding of the technical and tactical view of the game. Uh, but also I think... The, the technical and tactical blended between the two and that, that, that sort of I had a, a strong sort of understanding of what I wanted to get from that but I think what really challenged me was getting the best out of athletes that were going through tough times within the youth development phase sitting down and having one-to-ones with them within a um, professional development phase at a university and trying to really step away from just um, tech and tech messages and trying to embed a culture of of respect of passion of humility and, and not not necessarily just trying to frame words on a piece of paper but trying to um, get everyone to live it uh, and breathe what they do which i felt at, at both the university and the club um that they established in a really really strong way quality we had mark jarham who's a basketball coach at loughborough university on the podcast and he was speaking a lot about culture and it's something that I'm, I've been really interested in, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners are as well, but it allows, you know, as a coach, you can go a lot deeper and put a lot more, it adds another layer of meaning, and then everything can drive from that, and then that your, the tactical and technical and everything else can come from it. But it's that, as you said, it's uh, it's those values of, of people, and especially within maybe the university setting or even in the YDP phase, 
these players might not go on to be professional footballers and as you said they in the universities they might go on to be lawyers or engineers but if they can take from the culture that you've created those values and put it into other professions I'm sure that's really worthwhile to see as well yeah absolutely there there was a quote that I always it it resonated with me hugely within that period of time is um, what did it it was a question of what do the players think of you and I said, I don't. It, it, the quote itself was, I don't know, ask them in 20 years' time. And it, it really resonated to me in the fact that they may love or hate you during that period of time because you may be open and honest with them. They may be hearing things that they don't necessarily want to hear there and then. They may be hearing things that they do want to hear. But their, their experiences within that period of time, the, um, the way that they acted, the way that we played, the, the experiences that we had in terms of playing up and down the country, had in terms of playing other professional setups and, and just the whole ethos of the team. I think for me that, that quote really resonated with me loads um, in the way that it might not be now that people recognise whether we had a good culture. It may be in 10 years and I'm, I'm hopeful of that but that's that's something that really um, strung with me. I really like that, James. I think you hear a lot as well uh, kind of linking into that about people saying that the players will forget what you said they forget different tactics or anything like that but they won't forget how you made them feel and it's definitely yeah when when you finish playing and in 20 years time and you look back on your coaches you do remember certain ones for definitely different reasons so it it would be interesting yeah if you could in 20 years time if you could think of what your players all say about you but I, I do I do really like that now, if we just move on uh, to the next bit and a bit about your role within futsal. So you're currently with the England um, under-19 futsal as a coach and performance analyst. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So, yeah, so go on. Go on. Sorry. Yeah, no, go on. No, I was just saying, so within my role, it's, it's probably being more a coach from above and being the eyes from the sky. Um Understanding how to use the performance analyst software, understanding the the intricacies of the game and and youth development within a performance context, it, it allows me to challenge our coach behaviour of how we are when we're going for performance or competition or extreme learning within the sessions and contributing to a to a wealth of knowledge around the program already. Um, I'd say that's probably one of, I suppose, my biggest roles within the the group. Right, so you kind of get a chance to maybe take a bit of a step back away from uh, the the coaching, maybe, you know, session to session, but you kind of get to look at the team a bit more holistically from that from that performance analysis and that overall coaching role? Yeah, I think so. And, and as much as I love being on a court with the lads, um, we've got some extremely good coaches in the system and we... We, we maximise the strengths of one another. Um, so I may be up on the balcony watching from above, but that's with the 19s. Uh, we may be working on in, in possession, working on our duality movements or our pairs. And I might note things down or clip them and, and then provide that reflective process both with coaches and players. Um, and a lot of the time that would then be geared towards a competition state. Um, at the moment, obviously, we, we were forced to to stop due to the unfortunate events but we were gearing towards a competition year uh, with the under 19s going into the 2021 European Championships or qualifiers for that Um, so each camp would be towards 
an opposition, but also a, a method of how we play with the maximising the best of our abilities. That's, yeah, that's really good. I think, as you said there, it's obviously when you're coaching within a team setting, you've got to be playing off each other's strengths as coaches and then linking it back into the players. You've got to be uh, playing the strengths. So as a, in terms of the performance analysis, would you be looking more at what you what your team can bring to beat the opposition or do you look at what the opposition can do to hurt you? Which one would you say you're more interested in within that? Uh, it's a great question because we, we have this debate all the time. Um, I think it's extremely important to know who you're coming up against and the intricacies of how they play. Now, how erratic and how emotional the game may be sometimes we, we may need to sway towards knowing more about us and what we can do. Now, within, if you're playing in Spain or France, uh, in Italy at times, you, you will need to know the, the individual capabilities of the opposition, their um, tactical nuances within the game, how they press, how they uh, retain the ball, how they utilise their 1v1 players. Their, a lot of it may be down to situational coaching. So if we have a specific four on the court, we may play in a specific way against their specific four. Um, so it goes in terms of layers in, of detail down in the game. So we, we have a set of principles of how we want to play. Uh, and that's developing uh, every single day. Um, and some extremely good work has been put into that. And then what we want now is those principles to come alive against those those opposition. Um, but we need to know how the opposition operate, how they behave defensively. So then we can capitalise or understand what spaces may become available within the game and help the players own that and control the game in terms of an emotional and spatial sense. Excellent. Yeah, I think... Us, I think it sometimes comes down to players individually what they prefer but obviously there has to be that balance between you couldn't completely just look at the opposition and not think about what you're going to do but then you've got to sometimes as players I think they want to know how they can hurt the opposition more because it comes from their creativity and it comes out of their expression whereas if you're constantly looking at the opposition it, it feels like that they're you're kind of amping them up a bit that they're the ones that are going to create everything so there obviously yeah, always is that balance but and uh, I'm sure that that's one of your main um, within your role that's what that's what you're constantly doing is, is finding that balance between how can they hurt us and how we can hurt them Absolutely. And, and I think sometimes Dan it's we may analyse the opposition to the dotting the I's crossing the T's but a lot of the players won't then see a lot of that um, from what we analyse may go down to a 30 second clip to the players um, and then what the message may be is is clear and has a strong level of clarities in line with the game plan so then we stick to a plan um, but that's down to weeks and weeks and hours of sessions and um, the players owning the footage as well themselves and them looking over themselves how they are in line with their independent learning plans, their strengths, um, and then in line with how they can affect the opposition as well. So developing their self-awareness for the players to understand how they can impact the game as well. So then there's more of a, a conversation about the game as opposed to just discussing specific, oh, they do this, they do that. Well, actually, now we want a conversation. They may do that, but now how does that benefit us? How does that allow you to bring the strengths out of yourself? Well, actually, now their strength is slightly different. So 
who then may be more of a worth within that period of time in the game to make an impact. Wonderful. I had this, I put this out actually on Twitter recently about coaches on the sideline uh, within all sports and just talking uh, how much coaching, how much talking do you do during a game and how does that obviously affect how much decision making the players are actually making. And as you've mentioned there, if the players, if before it, if they can really own the ideas and the footage and everything and make those decisions and obviously as coaches you um you help that along the way but within futsal or within football they're both invasion games and within that there's chaos and there needs to be a lot of um, on-court or on-pitch decision making and it can't always be the coach so that sounds that sounds perfect there that it's kind of that mixture and the coaches are aiding the players to make their own choices Absolutely, and especially within the game, it's, it's slightly different within football um, because of this, the speed and the nature of it. But as you say, as as the game's so chaotic and emotional, a lot of the time it's the game is played under transition more often than not. Um, so how you can c- gain control of a, m- a momentum of the game and or have a, that feeling within the game is so important. And I think that the more the players are aware of that and more the players can understand the intricacies of the opposition more than the coach telling them I think that the more powerful it can become because they have to make the decisions in the game we, we can't stand on the side and tell them next time try and do this because the moment may be five moments previous as such so within the game of futsal they have to be so quick with their decision making or just have to get over it and just go bang straight into the next one 100% and it's rec- yeah it's recognizing those moments within the situation and as long as you lay down some principles of how you want the team to play and then the players can uh use them within the different situations that they're presented with so that's that's perfect and I think you've mentioned there that the game is often played in transition I think even more so within youth football you you sometimes watch youth games and it's it's just constant transition there's not a lot of um, at the younger level there's not a lot of possession it's, it's normally one team has just won it back and is attacking and one team is recovering it's, it's a lot of that so being able to make those quick decisions is, is key now if we, we we talked a lot there about the decision making uh, within futsal and there's I think there's quite now futsal is definitely within uh, the mass the mass media of um of coaching from a football standpoint and decision making and uh, lots of touches on the ball and th- there's lots of different um, benefits that have been cited. However, as somebody myself who uh, does a, a decent amount of futsal coaching, I'm kind of drawn to the fact of because the FAC or it comes across that the FAC futsal um, almost as uh, a donor sport or as a as a help alongside uh, to benefit football sometimes, whereas in other countries such as Spain, Brazil, uh, Portugal, they would see it as a sport in its standalone in its own right. So is is that something in terms of you're obviously within the England setting within futsal? Is is that how how do you kind of see it? I think first and foremost the game um, has to have a level of integrity so it is a game in its own right it has a FIFA organised competition it has a European Championships and it has to be respected as its own sport now there's no reason why it can't be used as a uh, development aspect but it has to be 
understood in, in why they're using it and what the power of the sport may be. Um, is it a training tool? Then if it is, that they have they have to have the criteria of the proper goals, the proper ball, the rules, the surface, all of the specific things associated with futsal. Or for me, it isn't the game. Um, and if it, even just the slightest change in those details, it, it's like a, a continuum of learning, and it, it you won't get the benefits or the returns that you want from the game. So I think. Where, where futsal is in football at the moment, there, there's obviously some players that have done extremely well within the game and it's been highlighted. And I think players and how it is within our context is within England, these, these players are playing futsal. Now, there are some with football backgrounds, absolutely. There are some that are still playing football. And I think a lot of the time it's what's best for the player and their, their level. Now, what we want is players to stay in the game. So they may have a really good experience within football and futsal at the same time. Uh, likewise with Max Kilman, who went from playing at Helvetia and was, play- and was playing at Maidenhead in their first team and now incredibly has gone to Wolves' first team uh, as a centre-back. Now, unfortunately, he had to leave the futsal journey. Um, as opposed to some players, for example, Matt Overton was playing football to the age of 18, at Doncaster Rovers um, didn't progress within the game but now is a really exciting up and coming pivot for the national team so I, I think it, a lot of it is down to an individuality of what is needed for that player there's, there's things that we want of course but the integrity of the sport is so important to me it has to be regarded as its own sport but it can be used within a development aspect so when I was at um, Forest we had a futsal curriculum within the programme Uh, within their football context. Now, these players from under nine all the way to under 16 were accessing it once every three weeks. So if I was to say we were doing futsal properly, I I couldn't say that, but we were exercising futsal because we're doing the correct training, we're doing it in the correct way with the uh, rules, the regulations, everything associated with it. And I I was very strict in terms of the integrity of that. Now, the returns we got from that were... I believe fantastic because I wasn't able to affect the players technically. Their technical program at Nottingham Forest was fantastic. But when they came to me, it was more of an opportunity to stress them in a psychological manner uh, and trying to accelerate their learning in a different way. So, for example, due to the predictability of the bounce of the futsal ball, so it's got 30, 30% less bounce on a hard surface. You, you know that a lot of the time the pass is coming to you smooth and it's, come, it's coming towards hopefully your strong-sided your strong foot or the, your front foot when receiving. Now, during that period of time, it allows you to have a perceptual awareness of the game. And what I mean by that is keeping your head up upon controlling, using your peripheral vision, which a lot of the time football doesn't provide because a football, with it having 30% more bounce, um, it's quite unpredictable at times. It can come in at your knee. It can have a little bobble before. So a lot of the time, upon contact of receiving, they have to look and scan over their shoulders to see where the pressure is coming, to see um, what they need in terms of spatial point of view, and probably to receive on their back foot. So you have a blend of those, and suddenly you get a 360 view of the game. And it's a really important thing for me is you're not teaching them the way of doing it. You're teaching them a way of playing the game now if they have a good experience within futsal 
um, they'll stay in it. If they have a good experience within football, but don't necessarily pro- progress within the game of how increasingly difficult it's becoming, but they've had a futsal um, upbringing within that, they may fall back into the game, which for me is important because now they stay in the game. They've, they've enriched their experiences. Um, now, it, it depends what benefit you want to get from the game itself because for using it as a development tool is 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 good in my view, but it's why you're using it and for what does it help your players within your curriculum. Now, I tried to do it at Burton, I did it at Forest, um, I spoke about it in Mansfield and different other clubs and each different time they were different in terms of why they did it. So I think that's really important as the, um, the philosophy and the ethos of the club. I mean, that's a great explanation. There's obviously, there's obviously going to be returns from playing futsal um, from from a foot from football uh, perspective, and in terms of uh, a lot of people will see it as a training tool, and it it can a hundred percent be used as that. However, as you said, uh, I definitely believe as well it's a sport in its in its own right, and it's one of the fastest growing indoor sports in the world. So, it's um it's great that it's over in England here now, but obviously it's gonna hopefully grow bigger and bigger and. A lot of the time, I know uh, from a grassroots perspective, it's there was dreadful weather uh, in, in last uh, December and Christmas. And a lot of teams who, if pitches were waterlogged and stuff like that, it, it would have been a brilliant opportunity to then go and to try futsal inside. Because, um, you know, obviously that's not going to get called off. So there's there's different um, different ways that different clubs can approach it. But there's there's obvious return, so it's it's definitely growing, and we'll we'll see where it goes. But got, leading on from that, um, you mentioned a couple of players that have come through, and I know obviously you've uh, done your work at uh, Nottingham University, University of Nottingham, and then at Loughborough, and then Birmingham is a good uh, futsal university as well. What would you say about the pathway uh, for futsal, so in terms of? Uh, playing futsal and then going through to the England team. Yeah, I think the the pathway is is there. Um, obviously, when you've got you've got more clubs now developing their youth system, which I think is amazing. Um, I think it's it's providing the the experiences for those players under under the age of sixteen, which at times wasn't there before. Um, then they're going from their grassroots to their um, hopefully a, a college program as such. Now, th- these programs are developing into five, seven-year programs, which they're, they're enriching the development of these players, which I think is incredible. Now, when they go to the university stages, they've got obviously their Bucks North or Bucks South um, or the Bucks Premier Division, sorry. And then obviously at, at some universities, they are associated with or have a Super League side. Now, the more exposure they can get at playing the game um, at a competitive level is, for me, exactly what we need. Now, the, the more we can improve the competition level, the competition status, the um, exposure they have to playing more and more games at a higher level of higher level coaching, as, the, as develop as a higher, a higher level players, the, the more the game will improve, um, especially, like we said, within the integrity point of view. Now some of these players are still playing both formats of the game so they're using it alongside. Some players are just using it as they are now a futsal player. Now um, 
the, the game will then develop them in a the, the, the coaching is improving within the top divisions so they're, they're understanding the game tactically more and we're seeing that within the 19s players they're not just chatting about conversation uh, chatting about tactics they're they're being quite critical quite analytical within their what within what they say they're being challenged on a technical point of view more so the more the um the pathway is developed and is made aware of the better now obviously there's different strands of how they can come in from whether they're being exposed to playing at foot in a football sense uh, because they are technically gifted players um, and as you see when when we've played in European championships previously when we've played France when we've played Croatia the the technical qualities of the players are outstanding uh, but also being able to apply that in a tactical sense so and I see that forever developing um, and there's a real hunger for that now and it's quite exciting to see where it can go especially with the development of how the um, top division of futsal is going in the country. Yeah, I think even in the last three, four, five years, futsal is growing continually and uh, keeping improving. And that's obviously going to drive standards and levels, which is all positive every, you know, every single way. Now, finally, in terms of futsal, we talked about, and you've talked about um, the European Championships, which were going to be this year, uh, with the under nineteens and what else are the uh, the team's future ambitions? The future ambitions for the setup is to be a a well nationally recognised um, setup of futsal essentially. So we we have a an aim that's been put through the uh, performance plan of becoming a top twenty nation. Um, now there there's loads that contribute to that, not just the coaching. That's that's structures within competition. That's players hopefully developing either from playing abroad in um, professional setups in domestically within the country. Um, and I, I think, as, as you've seen France recently, they, they've gone from almost not playing the game to having a professional league to bringing in the world's best player to their league in um, Ricardinho and some Spanish internationals. And from there, that, that fuels a real curiosity to the game um, and it's it's developing that culture of having it as its own own game its own right within within England um, and I, I do see that happening and I do see that in this really exciting journey and I, I'd say that's probably one of the biggest um, one of the biggest aims is increasing that level of participation getting people playing the game not just training it but playing uh, games against one another because it is exciting, it is fun and uh, I haven't had a, a bad review from a player going in and just having a game and going, that was really good fun and I think the enjoyment of the game is probably paramount to its development as well. Yeah, I'd, I'd 100% agree and it's it's exciting to see where this is going to take off. Now, if we go on to your work at Portsmouth, you're a senior academy analyst and an assistant in the PDP coach phase. Now, is the is in terms of uh, the analytics? Is it that similar to the work you would do with the futsal? Yeah, so we um, it's something I'm developing this year really because I've I've recently come in just before lockdown, um, so I've had quite a lengthy period of time to get my head around what I would like, what the what the club would like, and I think it's they, they've got they've got a framework of how they want to play, and I think it. Linking all of the analytics into their framework, so it's then 
transferable on a language point of view to the players as opposed to just giving key match events or individual clips is as we said earlier is making the players have an ownership of their own development as well whilst us guiding that and probing and challenging um we we want the players to want to analyze their performances as opposed to what I've seen previously and have been involved in is sometimes we can go into analysis and think, oh, no, I'm not going to really enjoy this. I'm going to switch off before I've even come in. So in my view, it's it's trying to align the coaching to the analysis process, which hopefully I can do being as part of the coaching team as well as the the senior analyst. Um, Stimulating critical reflections from coaches and staff and players having the player-to-player player, player conversation being quite strong, player-to-coach conversation being strong, coach-to-coach conversation, and, and supplement. And there's some really good work already happening within that and trying to make it more of a, a cyclical process um, and not just having moments where, right, we're in analysis 45 minutes. Well, how can I streamline it so they're coming in for five and they've just had as much power within that five, ten minutes than they have done for a 45 minutes? Um, how can we be slightly different with how we want to work? Now, Dan, I couldn't tell you all of that yet because I haven't quite worked it out mind, but it's something I really want to try and develop in, in fueling a creativity and innovation and a, and a curiosity for these players to be quite self-regulated within their learning. Well, I definitely think you'd be the best person for the job in that respect, and it's definitely, I'd agree with you, when the players are taking that ownership of their own um analysis and I think it's starting with a lot of academies it's starting at a lot younger age even if it's just simple little clips of of their performance and just uh, simple review questions I think it's embedding that culture of, of reviewing uh, their performance in that way and then I'm sure that stems all the way through up to uh, up to the first team and, 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 and like that Absolutely, and I think sometimes it, the key word there is review. So when, when we're looking at analysis, it doesn't always have to be reams and reams of footage that they have to go back over. It may just be a, a perceptional question. Um, how did the game make you feel today? As a 10-year-old, as a oh, I'm not sure. Like, How can we develop that self-awareness piece of those players to go, well, what problems did you face today and how did you solve them? Um, and that, that's, that's a huge thing that the courts have won. And I think that, that's really good in terms of just saying like, uh, we may not always have the capability of filming every game or being able to just have that bank of footage, but sometimes may go, well, um, what, do you, what did you experience today? What did you enjoy about that? Who encouraged you? And in trying to frame the language of our questioning in a way that pro- promotes um, that sort of self-reflective thought process. I'd agree, and I think it's definitely a deeper level of that reflection because I think if you asked if you ask your average 10 year old after a game of football and you say you know how did that go the majority of them just say that was good and then that that's kind of it and it's like I, I, I kind of the way now when I ask questions to players I kind of frame it differently because I think if it, if you just ask them straight up how it was nine times out of ten they say it's good and that doesn't give me anything you need to go a bit deeper but alongside an, analysing performance they can kind of you can search those deeper answers and those meanings and that review because they definitely have it and players will have that in them, but it's just um, it's just framing the questions and using that analysis to dig a bit deeper and to really help them understand their performance. Absolutely, and uh, as you say, with a ten-year-old, uh, what did you enjoy today? I scored two goals. It was amazing, and it's 
that, that's why they love the game because they they're able to have those moments. But it, it's it's um, fueling those and, and bringing those out and noticing. So uh, as as we talk about these questions and the language that we have to probe, it's also as us as coaches noticing in a in a more skillful, better way. So we may have intended things that we want from practices or games, but we need to almost recognise the hidden. Um, experiences that they may get and but then highlighting them and speaking to them about it so they they may go oh yeah I did this really well or I noticed that you did this and they may have not even thought thought about it and it's making how they feel then after that conversation yes we all notice different things within uh, when we're watching a game and we'll miss so much but uh, that's great when you bring players together and coaches together and then really analyze it we can all different see uh, and contribute to different parts in terms of, uh, you obviously have done quite a lot of analysis within, within, alongside your coaching. In terms of statistics, which would you say is the most overused um, and, or overrated statistic within, within analysis? That's a great question. Uh, for me, on a personal level, uh, it's something that is probably a skill gap of mine going into statistics and utilising them in a way that you, you want to objectify a subjective view. Um, now, there, there'll be some that agree with that, disagree with that, but I think statistics can then become, as you say, that you've got expected goals now, you've got percentages of possession. You've It has to be right for what the club need. Um, so how, what their pass completion is or how their retention of the ball is, but you may be asking them to do something different as a, as a 1v1 player. Um, so when they lose the ball... Seven times out of ten, well, actually, the three times that they've done, they've, they've created goal-scoring opportunities and you've developed from it or they've learned something more from those. So I think the use of statistics are extremely good within a first-team point of view um, and will help consolidate um, defensive structures, tactics. But I think in a, in a youth development point of view and even sometimes within a professional development phase, statistics will aid a conversation. But I, I do believe sometimes that, and I haven't experienced it properly yet, so I won't be able to give you a full rounded answer, is sometimes the, the, the footage may just be enough for them to prompt conversation, to prompt reflection. Now, if, if, I, could, if we, I was exposed to a statistical way or an analytical way of doing things, now, you look at data analytics now, it's going through the roof of football. Um, and I, I think that's a little bit beyond my skill set currently, but... Um, I do see a purpose in it, absolutely, but I think the context is key within the information. I'd agree. I think a lot, it's, it's different views from different coaches, I think, as well, because some coaches will look at statistics in that regard and uh, really want and uh, strive to get certain statistics and they need to have this in order to achieve within the game. And then other coaches will kind of look at it as something that if they're doing well on the pitch, the statistics can then support what they're doing rather and it's kind of just as you said just is a conversation of right we're doing this well but they kind of already subjectively knew it but it's just those statistics kind of backed it up whereas some yeah, coaches absolutely. will drive for the statistics in in the first place and then want the uh the performance after it so it's as you said there's a huge drive within data analysis and uh statistics within the game now but it's as you said, it's context and it's putting yes. putting coaches alongside what do they want to achieve from it because there's so many there's so many stats and it's um, it's, it's an incredible want. volume of stats and I think we we've seen it sometimes within 
the international setup with futsal and it's so key to get those stats sometimes and to really just go yeah we were right it did feel right or we go against it slightly and I, I think that with how they are generated is this is the skill of what software you may use and how you formulate your code in Windows and um, whether you have output windows, etc. And I've seen all those really, really good things. And I think they're, they're developing to help the coaches create a, a process in their minds um, to go, yeah, we're doing this really well. And I think once you've got a longitudinal volume of statistics that you can then identify trends and as you see how Liverpool are being successful within their work, that a lot of that is data-driven, uh, sometimes even on a recruitment point of view. Um, and it's definitely something I'm really open to learn and understand. But uh, unfortunately, it is definitely a skill set of mine that I haven't quite yet acquired. Yeah, I'd agree. It's Liverpool and, um, and Brentford have driven a lot within that recruitment and uh, they've done very well with that. So it's, it's interesting. And as you said, I think a lot of coaches myself included, are aspiring to learn more about it. So I'm, I'm sure we will. It's, it's an ever-growing field. I finally just wanted to talk about, in terms of uh, children in, within the game, I think it's, it's different to 10, 20 years ago plus in terms of the amount of... Well, sometimes academies get criticised that children are playing too much football and then in other settings they say they're not playing enough football in terms of that unstructured element so without the without um the coach in terms of free play kids aren't getting enough to experiment and explore but that what would you say on that kind of whole topic um i think it, again it's as you say that topic is huge um there needs to be a blend for me but i think kids need to play the game they need to play loads and loads and loads of games because that's what they want to do at the same time. Now, within obviously the ages of 9 to 14, technical development is huge as well. Um, now, I'm not saying there you've got to do loads of block practices or anything like that, but I think there's... My question with those is, is when, when we provide a constraint or a condition, is that unstructured or is that a deliberate practice that we know what outcome we want, but we're challenging the decisions of the players based on what we provide. So free play to me is, here's a ball, here's two goals, go play. Set your teams up, let's go. Um, or that sort of process being convenient with how we work, or is it that we are working slightly structured, but we sort of skillfully know the context of the work that we want and the outcomes, but we, we delve deeper into our questioning and trying to tease the players to the correct answer so we're not providing them with what we want. We know what outcome we want to provide and drive into, but we're skillfully questioning with our soft skills and everything that to get the players to bring us to that direction and that journey. So there's principles of what we want within it. I think it is such a big topic, as you say, but I think the free play aspect is huge. Um, that's where players are coming in at clubs sometimes and doing multi-skill sports, uh, multi-skills environments within the um, foundation phase where they're coming in, they're playing a bit of cricket, they're playing a bit of foot tennis, they're playing within um, just keepy-ups or whatever with, our, with their friends before practice begins. And uh, Forrest did that really well, to be fair, and the players loved it. They came in 30 minutes before the session, they would get it all out of their system and then bang, as soon as that's done, they're into the 
the official football was such where there would be a, a curriculum of work that they would work towards but the and I think it then goes down to differences of coaches as well and I think that's important of players experiencing different coaches of how they perceive how coaching should be um, performed as well and how the game should be played and th- those experiences that they go through from under 9 all the way to 18s is, is essential and uh, we, we speak about it sometimes in a futsal sense of um, our, uh, my game, our game, your game so when it becomes your game in the final third for example, go do what you want express yourself, be creative um, If in terms of my game it may be, well this is how we play out of pressure as this is what we want for you as coaches because we don't want to concede possession within our, five, within our beginning third um, and then within the middle third, look we're open to solutions because we want the players to be independently making decisions and to take ownership of their, their actions within the game based on what the game needs, uh, based on what they notice and then uh, sort of being on a journey together, both as coach and player. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. It's it's definitely a balance. And I think, though, as you said, kids just want to play the game at the end of the day. But you've got to, uh, if you can adapt it and restrain it to get those certain outcomes, that's kind of uh, the best of both worlds in that respect. So one last question, James. You touched on it slightly at the beginning in terms of looking at players um, in 20 years, what they would say about you. But yeah, I'm sure there's a long time yet. But when you finally do finish in terms of coaching and analysis and everything like that, what do you want people to remember you for? That's a great question. What do I want people to remember me for? Um... Hopefully someone that worked above and beyond for them to have the best experience possible, um, whether that is helping them off the pitch with their very unfootball-related topics or whether that is helping them to be the best player that they can be. Um, I think that when you, when you work in the game, you, you have this innate desire to just develop whatever they can possibly develop. Now, obviously, we want... We want players within the game. We, we want to be that 1% influence. But a lot of the time, they, happy people make good players for me. Uh, so I think for a, a lot of what I base my coaching on is, is quite a, I want you to enjoy it. And if you play extremely well within that enjoyment whilst I challenge you and I have these open and honest conversations, then hopefully we can, we can reach the heights. If not, then hopefully after as you say that that period of time where I, I will finish is you look back and go well he tried everything he can to help me um, I think it's a really good question Dan and I, I, I suppose as we talk about with players what are our intended outcomes that we want Some, sometimes these things may not even be noticeable until someone says something really random to you in a couple of years time that I've heard players say to some coaches I'm working with recently of the one of the biggest things I remember is this and sometimes not even the coach recognised or saw that at that period of time Yeah, I, I love that though happy, uh, happy people make good players and I think that's true and I think it comes across in everything that you've just said about that you, that you really enjoyed the game and I'm sure that comes through and the players will then therefore enjoy it through that so that's the end of the podcast, James. I think our listeners will take a lot from that. Uh, there's there's some great points that have been mentioned within through futsal and through your work at Portsmouth and just through your journey within coaching. So 
that's been really good and I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for coming on. Thank you very much for having me, Dan. And if anyone wants to contact you, they can do on Twitter at jamesbarlow77. Is that right? Yes, it is, yeah. Perfect. Thank you very much, James. Thanks, Dan. Cheers. And that is it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at WT Coaching or on Instagram at WT underscore coaching.